Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Sagit? Yes, sir! I know who I am! Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been better. I have a plan. I like this shit! It is unavoidable. You know what's Dance off, bro! It is your destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Welcome to episode two of Atlantic Screen Connection with Jason and Lee. How you doing, Lee? I'm doing fine, Jason. How's yourself? Hanging in there with not watching Mr. Robot. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> another week goes by. <laughs> and another robot missed. I couldn't care less because I hate that show. <laughs> I'm, still meaning, I'm still meaning to watch it so I, I can get a, a, a general grasp. It, it baffles me when I see the trailers. I think... Why does Jason hate it so much? What could it have possibly have done? It's just doing everything that I've already seen before. I'm just bored by it. It <laughs> wants to be intricate. It wants to be smart, but it's not. It's filmed extremely well, but it's filmed in a way that we've grown accustomed to. But Luther was filmed exactly the same way. It had oh, these really? Kubrick-like shots and whatnot. And it's just so devoid of anything reasonably new and worth talking about <laughs> that it just becomes so boring. And plus, this guy is like this weird-ass junkie at the same time. I'm like, oh, really? Can he have any more afflictions? Anyway, so, yeah. That's He's not like, today's topic. <laughs> I'm under the. I'm watching Edward Scissorhands with the computer. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, and so, right. Cool. So, today we're going to be discussing, obviously, the trailers uh, we saw this week. We'll be discussing uh, some of the movies we saw this week or TV shows. And we're going to finish that off by discussing Suicide Squad. Now, there's a caveat to what we're going to be discussing with regards to Suicide Squad. We are not going to be giving an analysis of the film per se. We might actually uh, reveal a few spoilers, but we wanted to talk about just a little bit of the reception that Suicide Squad and if it was deserving or not. Uh, we figured that because there were so many reviews out there already uh, concerning Suicide Squad, including my own and Lee's, mm -hmm. uh, if you guys want to know what we thought about the movie, we'll drop a few little uh, hints here and there. But if you really want to see it, just go visit our respective websites. Mine is at Film Faculty, Lee's at Big Picture Reviews. Uh, we're not necessarily on op opposite sides of the... Uh, of the, no, the, the, I the, the us on opposite sides at all. <laughs> no, exactly. But I think Lee Lee had a more a critical approach than I did. I had more of an emotional one. I uh, wanted to just set the record straight with uh, with a couple of things that we might get into a little bit later. Uh, so yeah, so once we're done reviewing what we saw this week, we'll get to Suicide Squad. So that brings us to our first segment, which is what did you f watch this week? And so we'll start with trailers. Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, I saw, well, only a couple of trailers this week. Uh, and <laughs> to be fair, it was the easiest week of all since the two trailers I did see were, I think, less than a minute each. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Uh, I've seen, uh, seen Dunkirk and I've seen Arrival. You're bound to have seen them too anyway. So um, what have you seen in regards to trailers? Oh, I've seen uh, I've seen Dunkirk and I've seen Arrival, two films that I'm, I'm looking Figured. forward to. I wasn't <laughs> expecting Arrival to come out this year. I talked to Sean Levy, the guy who, like I was saying last, uh, last week, that he was the guy who produced Stranger Things. But he also happens to have produced uh, Villeneuve's Arrival. And I was surprised to see a trailer for it uh, drop so early because... 
it's actually coming out in, in November. I, I didn't know that this was coming this year. Wow. So, yeah. And I also saw a trailer for Anthropoid and for Resident Evil, the final chapter. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I already heard about the Resident Evil that there was a final chapter, I think, yesterday. I didn't even fucking bother with the trailer. <laughs> uh, listen, this is the final chapter until the new beginning. It's all yeah, it is. It's ridiculous, yeah. you know. But there's going to be more Resident Evil, and no one's asking for it, I think. We'll see eventually how it goes, but I'm not. I watched the trailer because it looked bad, and I got a confirmation. It was really, really bad. I don't even want yeah. to talk about it. I don't even know why I mentioned it. So, how did you think? <laughs> did you? Did you? <laughs> did just, you like, just set yourself up for a fall? Exactly. <laughs> it's just like so like, blindingly nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs> why am I mentioning this? Anyway, yeah, let's yeah. let's get to Dunkirk. What'd you think about Dunkirk? But that was, yeah, it was, it's like a, I don't know, 20 second long trailer of like people looking up at the sky. Uh, what, what, what is there to, to say about it really? I was kind of, um, I, I, I'm excited about any Christopher Nolan project realistically. I was most excited because I know nothing about the, the film. I know nothing about the actual event it's based on. Okay. Uh, but I, the only thing I know, and this is, this is what, uh, being on social media does to you is that I knew, um, one Direction member Harry Styles is supposed to be in it. And I didn't see him in the trailer, so I was disappointed. And that's, you know, so on the basis of the one bit of information I had on the film, I'm going to give it a miss. It's going straight to Netflix. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I liked the trailer very much. I, I wasn't looking for Harry Styles, and I completely forgot that he was there. Yeah. I, a lot of people have been talking about that extra that has a smile on his face. Oh, really? Which is, to me... Beside the point, stop looking at him for Christ's sake. It's probably this is this cut is probably going to not even make it in the movie. Not so anymore. <laughs> by the time that, uh, yeah, not anymore. Exactly, they're going to find a different cut. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, I mean, every time Christopher Nolan puts out a movie, I'm actually getting I get excited because usually that means we're going to get a quality picture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it and. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the story of Dunkirk is about how the British troops uh, backed away from protecting the French in order to get a better vantage point uh, and protecting England. Right. So it's, it's basically their their escape from the Nazis to fight the Nazis better at a different point in time. Right. Okay. Now I might be, I might be completely getting getting that wrong, but I know it's it's a really controversial part of World War II. And that's it. So next time I'll get better information. But if I if my memory serves me right, that's kind of what it's about. Interesting. Well, that's that's enough for me to be interested. I probably actually, I mean, other than having to do this show, I probably wouldn't want to see another trailer for it because, as as we'll probably get into a little with uh, Suicide Squad, we should really all stop watching trailers. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. I I'll echo that sentiment a hundred thousand percent. I know that doesn't exist, but. I, I'm going to agree with you, and I actually, we'll make a pact right now. We've seen the teaser for Dunkirk. If there's a new trailer coming, let's avoid it. We'll mention that we know it's available yeah. and that we've refused to watch it because we want that's, to go in that's, that's good. to I, fully experience the movie. It's a good way of looking at it when you know that you're already sold on something. You know you're going to see it anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. What more do you need to be sold on? Like, oh yeah, you know it does. Like all, all we, all we stand to, all we, all we do by watching another trailer is we stand to lose interest at this point. So let's just fucking do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that pact. Cool. <laughs> 
All right, so next up would be Arrival, Denis yeah. Villeneuve's Arrival. What did you think of the trailer? I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, um, it's an alien invasion film. I'm sure it's, well, if it's anything like the last two Villeneuve films, it'll be, uh, it'll have a tinge of artsiness to it. Uh, uh, but hopefully, mostly, will um, be a just a well-crafted experience with some good acting. And I, um, I'm right on board with that. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, I wasn't expecting this movie at all. And now that I've seen the first teaser trailer, this might actually be another one that I'll just simply refuse to watch anything else. Good idea. And head into the theater, like, just completely, you know... All right, yeah, impress me. Yeah. This should be really fun. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine gaining any more information and actually being more interested than I am now. You know, so yeah. And I mean, I think that what might happen, sadly, is that they're going to have to uh, reveal most likely specific parts if it's more of an action movie, yeah. if it's more of just like sci-fi. Do they sit down and have tea at one point? I don't know. But these are all things that I kind of want to avoid because from what I've seen so far, it can go either way and I kind of want to stay surprised in the movie theater. Agreed, agreed. So that's good. Good for teasers. It's good. It's a good week for teasers. It's a really good <laughs> week, yeah, because we got another teaser like uh, for, for Rogue One and the trailer's dropping on Thursday, so that should be interesting as well. Right. And there was another. There was another trailer you said you'd seen. Yeah, I saw Anthropoid. Uh, it seems like they're trying to bring about uh, again World War Two movies, and this Anthropoid uh, movie is, um, I think, is directed by uh, Sean Ellis. Uh, the name rings a bell. I don't remember exactly what that guy directed. What it is is uh, the uh, it's it's a World War Two thriller uh, about. Operation Anthropoid, and it's the mission that these people conducted to try to assassinate SS General Rein, uh, Reinhard Heydrich. And I mean, it's got a little bit of a Valkyrie tone to it. I was just about to say, it kind of has something of the same kind of plot, to, like to Valkyrie. <laughs> well, yeah, to a certain degree, that that's pretty much you what know, it is. The, the 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 film where you know they go out of their way to try. Uh, Covert uh, specialists try to take out a high-ranking Nazi and change history. Sounds, you know, that's that's the outline of Valkyrie, and it seems the the outline of uh, Anthropoid. Yeah, that's it. I'm hoping that it'll be uh, as good because I'm one of the people that really appreciated Valkyrie, even though I knew what the outcome was. For once, yeah. Brian Singer was able to build tension where they're like seemingly, even if you know that the outcome is going to be, uh, well, no spoilers, I won't tell you, if you know, you know what the outcome is. Um, he was able to really get uh, me on board. I was on board. I was like, wow, is this going to succeed? Yeah. But at the same time, I knew that there was no way possible that this was going to yeah, happen. Exactly. And so I looked up Sean Ellis. Sean Ellis is the director of Cashback that came out in 2006. I remember seeing that. It's about a clerk that works in a grocery store, and uh, because he's suffering from insomnia, his imagination just goes completely insane. It's a wow. really interesting, uh, fun film. Uh, it's very artistic, and uh, I, I, I really liked it. I mean, it was a good debut for him, uh, but it, he didn't wasn't able to follow it up that much on uh, on his uh, 2008 effort, which was called Broken. Um, I watched it, fell asleep, tried watching it again. <laughs> fell asleep 
And that's it. So anyway, I'm hoping that with Anthropoid, now he seems to have a bigger budget. He's got uh, Killian Murphy in there and also uh, Jamie Dornan uh, from Fifty Shades fame. Yeah. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> or, or the full fame. Yeah, well, there here. you go. But perhaps perhaps, <laughs> perhaps this will probably, it might be his, his good break. Looks like Oscar material. We'll see how that plays. Uh, the Academy usually likes war films. Great. And that's it. Perfect. So I'm avoiding Resident, e- Resident Evil. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> there are days that define your story beyond your life, like the day they arrived. Colonel? Pack your bags. Language is the first weapon drawn in a conflict. It's quite a greeting. Yeah, well, you wrote it. You are on the top. Have everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, door opens up. That's where we go in. It's time. What happens now? They arrive. sir yeah man i've seen uh two films uh i'm not sure which i think uh one came out last year one came out this year right. and that was uh dope and the lobster uh which uh, uh oh yeah i'm very excited to talk about both of them how about yourself you see anything interesting i uh actually put a poll on twitter uh on uh i think it was thursday last week and i had asked people because suicide squad was coming out and i finally was able to uh, catch an early release of the nice guys uh, for like home video and Amazing. so i figured i'd put a poll on what people would like to have i remember voting uh, in as this. a review <laughs> yeah so should i watch suicide squad or write a review or should i do nice guys and write the view review and it came out pretty even actually it was 55 45 which was kind of cool for suicide squad so I, I wrote that review but it was so close that i decided to write a review for nice guys as well i'm, I'm working on it as uh, not as we speak but i'll be working on it this week so nice guys i watched the nice guys and i had a fantastic time good good uh good um testament to the futility of twitter polls if the, if the outcome doesn't matter <laughs> you'll just oh no both. not really but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. It's just that I mean, fifty. Had it been seventy thirty, I would have been like, "Well, you know what? Screw it. I'll." I'll. But then I walked, uh, waltzed myself through the entire second season of Downton Abbey, and also halfway through the third season. And I'm kind of getting bored, to be honest. I'm hoping that already it picks up a little bit. Wow, well, I mean, these people. I'm watching it, and at one point, I'm like, "Wow, these are really white people problems," you know. And I, I, I'm kind of getting annoyed by specific yeah. storylines, like, uh, you know, they they seem like, especially the men. The men seem to want to be these martyrs or have purpose, and yet they they do nothing to to kind of make their lives better. It just seems to get worse, and they kind of want to live in that shit for some yeah. reason, and it gets fucking annoying at one point. And then uh, just quickly, I watched uh, David Cross's Making America Great Again. And uh, I think it's his weakest stand-up comedy show to date. Um, some of the jokes are really good. A lot of it falls flat because he talks about Trump quite a bit. 
And um, he pretty much... That's immediately going to date everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, I can rewatch old Louis Black uh, comedy specials. And he does talk about George W. Bush quite a bit. But he does pepper it out with a a couple of good jokes here and there. And even George Carlin, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff comes back to when he he mentions presidents as well. But this one was... Crosses was a little bit too much on the nose. He's saying things that almost everyone agrees with in the first place. And there's no real point to any of it because yeah. it's as though his jokes don't really matter. Everyone understands, but no one's doing anything about it. So, you know, I don't I don't really get why uh, he went full force on that. Yeah, uh-huh. felt it was convincing enough to make a show out of interesting. I've never seen David Cross uh, do any stand-up. I've, I thought he was a sketch comedian, so this is all news to me. <laughs> oh, right, with, uh, yeah, that show that he has with uh, uh, Saul Bob from Odenkirk. Breaking Bad. Yeah. yeah, Bob Odenkirk. So, yeah, no. So, if you're going to watch a David Cross, uh, watch, watch, I'd say The Pride is Back. It's one of his uh, his really good ones. And then I watched, uh, just for research purposes, and this will tie into what we're going to have to say of Suicide Squad, because I'll let you talk about the two movies you watched. I watched uh, Tim Burton's Batman 1989, and I rewatched also The Dark Knight uh, so that I could get a better grasp on the Joker. I also watched a couple of episodes of uh, the 1966 Batman series with Cesar Romero as the Joker. An unreasonable, to... an unreasonable amount of both research and free time required to actually watch this stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I consider it work. It's for it is, yeah. me, but it's also for the greater good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was, it was no, two. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Kinda... Now who's the martyr? <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always figure at one point I'll be at a supper with my girlfriend's father and he'll probably ask me a question. And I'll be able to answer some nonsense about the Joker. So I'm just stocking up. <laughs> the only thing that happened specific. is essentially I kind of tried to uh, get a feel for how the Joker had been portrayed uh, in those movies and the TV series uh, with regards to Jared Leto's performance. Because I remember when I was watching Suicide Squad, I was actually impressed but I don't know why I was impressed. So I had to, once I stepped out of the movie theater, I had to understand why I felt this Joker was different. And so I broke it down. We'll be able to talk about it after. Uh, so yeah, you, man. What, dope. How was dope? Dope was, uh, I, I was going to say dope, but I am not, I'm not uh, permitted to say that. Okay. <laughs> dope was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I have initial thoughts at least. It it just feels like a cross between uh, like super bad and uh, the Breakfast Club, but for you know for a, a different generation and a different community of kids, and that's what's great about it. You know, like this this is for black kids, obviously. I mean, not so much that it, that white kids can't watch it or nothing, but it's definitely you know it's 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 for black kids. It's about black kids. It's about a, like a tough community in which these black kids live. So, you know, there's no fucking argument you can take away that this is for black kids. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's tough. It's a bit rough around the edges. Obviously, that's their, like, their, if this is like, it might not be based on like real life. It just might be based on general experiences. But, uh, it was, um, a, it was fucking har- harrowing to watch, you know, to think that some kids might have this, some horrible, like, life choices and just have things taken away from them. Uh, or be forced into scenarios that are just just not fair in any sense. 
But at the same time, it's it's a comedy. It's it's funny, you know. That these kids are genuinely likable, and the soundtrack's great, and they they have this great niche in the community. The characters feel like actual friends that they, you might know or might you know you know hang out with each other. Lots of great things to say about the cast, and lots of great things to say about the setting and how the film is handled. Uh, I genuinely just had a great time. Would say at the very end it gets a little preachy, but um. I wouldn't say it's a deal-breaker in any sense. I think it was a really inevitably uplifting film and very uh, useful for any kid, but I'm sure anyone, specifically anybody who comes from a, a rougher background, they might have something to, to relate to a little better. Uh, so, I, yeah, that was dope. and uh, Highly, highly recommended. Excellent. No, <laughs> it's on my list. I mean, I had seen the trailer and I was like, wow, this this looks different. It looks fun. It looks like a different take. It's a it's a community that I don't necessarily uh, know much about. Although I did study uh, African American literature while I was in, in uh, university and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but I by I'm I'm by no means an expert on the material or anything. But it was interesting. It it was uh, something that that caught my attention. I was a research assistant for a man that actually uh, is uh, who has a PhD in in uh, African American studies, and right, so cool. I was doing a lot of research for him and was privy to a lot of that stuff. Um, so that community was something that I always thought was interesting, and I'm very sensitive to the to the the subject. So mm-hmm. that's it. I'm looking forward to seeing Dope because it looked like a fresh new take on on a on a community that doesn't get that much exposure. No, yeah, definitely, definitely. And as far as coming-of-age stories, there should be much more material like this, you know, for real, actual, like, modern kids who, you know, just like Breakfast Club, you know, they they stand out, uh, they're a bit nerdy, they're a bit weird, they don't know where to fit in, and then the roughness of real life involves itself on them, and they have to try and work that out. It's a little more action-packed than, you know, fucking Breakfast Club, which is more about, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, white people dilemmas more <laughs> than oh, yeah. it is about, about, uh, yeah, but you know, it's definitely about like career and life choices and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's got a lot of great things to say. And so, um, I definitely recommend it. The other film I've seen, which is not even close to related to dope is, well, I already said it was the lobster. Uh, I think this might have came out late last year, but, um, I, I think it got a 2016 release here, so that means I'll probably end up reviewing it fully. Uh, I don't want to give too much away about the film, uh, because I feel the less you know going into it, the better. But uh, I, I can say as much that it is sort of like a quaint, dystopian, like a dystopian art house film. Just a general look at how relationships work, and uh, what society expects from relationships, in the form of a very weird structure in which, ultimately, the premise is, if you don't meet somebody by a certain age, it's not fully explained, you can be turned into an animal. Uh, and uh, aside from that general premise, there's a bunch of different rules about it, and I don't want to get too much bogged down into it, but generally, it's, it's a good film. I would say that I've seen a couple of more arty films this year, uh, and some even more arty dystopian films, like I've seen High Rise, uh, it's a Tom Hiddleston film about class structure, and it's but it's an arty look at class structure. This is, uh, it does that with like relationships, and it was you know it's it's fine. It's it's um it's got its moments, got good performances. Colin Farrell always commits wholeheartedly to these things, so he did a brilliant job. Some of the humor in it, I properly made me laugh. Some just like not just quirky stuff, even just some of the physical humor in it, I just thought was fucking hilarious. Uh, but 
in between those little bursts of joy is a lot of dar character moments with not a lot going on and, and a lot of world building, but not a lot being told. So it's it's more, uh, you definitely have to absorb yourself in the atmosphere, and it's definitely going to be one of those films that people, if they watch, they'll either really get it or really, really passionately dislike it. And uh, I, got, I really got it. I just don't, I didn't find it, you know, uh, I didn't find it the freshest or more in- most interesting take on that kind of stuff I've seen. But it was, I'm not going to say it's a bad film at all, and I would recommend it generally. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, I think you, I think you would enjoy it, definitely. I, I mean, again, I didn't not enjoy it. I just thought it, you know, could have been better around the edges. Uh, it could have been a more focused narrative. It feels like, like a lot of these films, they kind of get carried away and that they, they go on too long and then start to miss the point a little when they get too absorbed in their own world building. Right, right, right. Uh, I feel it does that a little. But not so much that I would say it, it spoils the film at all, just enough that I was kind of, there were parts I was going like, alright, let's, let's move along a bit. We don't really need to know about these people. They don't really add anything. Those kind of moments. But, um, you know, generally, I'd say like 70% of the film, excellent, you know. So yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it, then I'll put it on my list of films to watch, which I was already on. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> it's a movie, it's a film that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. I just haven't gotten around to it, but obviously I decided to choose other shit like Downton Abbey and David Cross. So if yeah, I just yeah. buckled down and do that, but God knows you needed to rewatch Batman. <laughs> you needed to watch Batman, the TV show. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did it for a purpose, man. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So, yeah. Yeah. The Resident Evil trailer, that's what your time was spent. <laughs> yeah, sadly, man. Uh, it was just... Uh, anyway. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't just... just <laughs> who's spending money on this? Dear God. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And on our way back, we will be discussing, kind of, kind of. Suicide Squad. Stay tuned. Gentlemen, ladies, what if Superman... Had decided to fly down, rip off the roof of the White House, grab the president right out of the Oval Office. Who would have stopped him? I want to build a team of some very bad people who I think can do some good. Y'all jokers must be crazy. I'm not just one of y'all many toys. What? This is the deal. You disobey me, you die. Try to escape, you die. You got a boyfriend? You irritate or vex me. I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. You die. You don't own they get caught, we throw them under the bus. What a ride! Let's play! Come on, got some better at I love this guy. Uh-oh. Not good! Don't forget. Bad guys. Are you sweet talking me? All of that chit chat's gonna get you hurt. Come on, 
You want to see some? Yo, want to see some? Yes, I want to see some. I was just trying to get you there. You know how it feels, right? We good. What you having? Beer. Whiskey. What am I, 12? How about you, hot stuff? Water. That's a good idea, honey. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to be discussing Suicide Squad, not necessarily in detail, but rather nitpicking a little bit about how reception for movies and overhype might actually be killing interest in going to see movie and f- reviewing them favorably. Uh, so what do you think, Lee? First of all, I just want to get into it. Did you enjoy the movie at all? And not, not, not in the, in a critic's mind, just as a person going to the movies. Did you have fun? Yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, I figured cards on the table first before we start shitting on the people shitting on, on Suicide Squad or shitting on the people hyping it up and saying it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Reception, personally myself, I had a good enough time with Suicide Squad, but I, it's not God's gift to fucking superhero films and it's certainly not absolute trash. It's, it's just a, uh, confusing, muddled, poorly edited fun time with a lot of potential uh and you know ultimately i walked out of the cinema i was actually afraid about talking about it i was afraid about writing about it because i felt like i'd have nothing to really say uh my first reaction and i mean like ultimately when i sat down i had it turned out i had plenty to say about it but uh when i actually first left the cinema i was just thinking fuck that was just that was just okay, and uh, I mean, I had a good time, but I I don't feel like I have anything to contribute on it, and uh, I, I you know nobody ever talks about that side of the reaction. The people just went and went, uh huh, uh huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, obviously, that's where I stand at least. Where do you stand, Jason? I stand exactly where you're standing. The idea that movies now are either good or bad kind of gets to me because. I've watched a bunch of average movies in my life, and I think that Suicide Squad feels exactly like it should be as an average movie. And so that's why my initial reaction to the movie, I I decided, and this is one that my girlfriend got annoyed at me very much so because I spent an entire weekend talking to her about this (laughs) to the point where she was like, all right, you've got 15 minutes, use it wisely, because then after that, I don't want to hear about it anymore. And my first reaction to it was, I walked into the movie theater as a 12-year-old boy. I just mentioned that as an adult, I walked in, I didn't walk into the theater. I left the adult me at the entrance, walked in with the most open mind, uh, like the most open-minded I could be, and then just sat down, I didn't even bother buying popcorn. I bought water. <laughs> That's not. I a figured child. if the movie's going to be child at all. <laughs> yeah. No, but I figured if the movie's going to be bland, at least I'll be drinking something as tasteless <laughs> as the movie. <laughs> and so I figured, you know what? I'm just going to try to 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 enjoy this as much as I can because these are characters that I I, I grew up with and enjoy. Yeah. Um and. I had no interest in the movie to begin with. I wasn't convinced. I thought that the trailers were a little bit too clever for their own good. Mm-hmm. You know, they were short little films. They seemed fun. They seemed to be playing on the, on the soundtrack quite a bit. You know, Bohemian Rhapsody was there. I thought it was a very clever use of music in trailers. And it was very, um, how can I put it? 
enticing. You mean you wanted yeah. to go see what this was because it looked more like a comedy than anything else. Mm-hmm. It felt like they. It felt like you know some some trailers exist to sort of warm you up to the idea that this is what you're going to see. You're going to see it anyway. Suicide Squad felt like it was selling you Suicide Squad for its trailers. You know, it was far more aggressive, far more poppy, clean, in-your-face advertising campaign. And that's immediately probably something that will will come up again. It might be why there's such a oh, violent yeah. reaction over it. Because those trailers showed oh, yeah. a lot I, of... I, I they made a lot that. of promises. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you 100% that it felt like they were really trying to sell you the movie. It felt like mm-hmm. a, a like a kind of a one of the salesmen that comes to your door and he's got a little bit of dirt on his shirt and you're wondering what the hell he had for lunch. <laughs> That's a little bit how Suicide Squad felt when I was watching those trailers. And so <laughs> when I when I sat down and watched the movie, I really had a fun time. I tried to just take it in. There were parts I thought were completely stupid. There were parts that I thought were really funny. There were parts that I thought were fun and dramatic and yeah. i think that it probably was a little bit too much like all over the place but i'd be lying if bit. i said i didn't have a good time it was a fun movie and it didn't need to be anything else in my opinion yeah yeah that's that's um that's that's a good uh you know launching point from where the audience expectation immediately starts to affect this one. Uh, and you go, you go into it in your review a lot uh, about the sort of Marvel and DC influence. Right. The, um, that this film, if it had come out 20 years ago, 10 years ago, everybody would be crowding around it saying it's one of the most fun examples of a stupid film made semi-well, and we'd all think it was just a great time. But because it came out in 2016... Now, the world where we have had two and a half Avengers films, and we've had all the Dark Knight films, and, uh, you know, we were pushing for this expectation of a grand DC universe, which has to be, for some reason, exactly comparable, and in a lot of people's eyes, better than the Marvel universe. We immediately apply the expectation that Suicide Squad, a comic series that realistically no one gave a shit about, up until now. I mean, they might like the characters, but the people who actually read the comic Suicide Squad, probably a lot narrower than you're going to find on uh, many of the mainstays for DC. How this got so out of hand that everywhere you're reading, either this is the greatest film that ever had to happen, this is the worst film that has ever happened, the DC universe is destroyed, it's another failure for the DC universe, it's a success, and it's the blindness of Marvel fans that are stopping people from enjoying it. Everywhere you look, somebody has some opinion of telling you that this was a terrible film or a great film for any other reason than the film itself. We are just thinking too much about around the film. (laughs) There you go. But I mean, I, I agree with that. We're thinking about too much around the film, but I think also we're thinking too much of the film. Mm-hmm. There's so much pressure on this to be a cohesive narrative that has a message or wants to try to have a message and then it gets cross sloppy. And I mean, listen, I, I remember growing up in the 80s, back when these movies used to come out, where it, I mean, even if I talk to some friends today and they mention to me that they love a specific movie with, I don't know, 
Sylvester Stallone, let's say Rocky three or four. Yeah. Or any movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it or, or any one of those movies that we hold so dear because they're from our youth and it goes back to when we were kids and we used to love that stuff. If we were to break apart those movies and just like really get them down to what they're trying to say, those movies are highly stupid. They're incredibly racist, mm-hmm. you know, and yet we hold them up in high regard as one of these movies that we just watch as dumb fun. Yeah. And then Suicide Squad comes out and we're watching this with our adult eyes and we can't make the difference that this movie was probably not made for us. It was made for a younger audience. A lot of people are referencing this idea of hot topics. (laughs) And if that is the case, then I am definitely not the desired audience. Mm-hmm. I'm walking in there to watch these these supervillains, these villains that I used to love as a kid. All right. They hold a special place in my heart, obviously, because they bring back a certain amount of youth when I'm in their presence in a movie theater. Yeah. But for Christ's sake, I have a life outside of that where these people don't contribute. So I can go <laughs> back in and watch this as dumb fun and appreciate it as the dumb fun movie it's supposed yeah, to be. That's true. I've, 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 what's interesting, at least, though, is that this is, much of this criticism I'm reading, uh, it uh, comes from the people we've sort of surrounded with these days on Twitter. They're really getting pent up and into it. So maybe when you consider things like um, how you felt, how, how people might have felt at Rocky Four, the sort of, like, schoolyard fights about, is it going to be great? Is it going to be the greatest? Is it going to be the worst? I've seen Rocky 3. Rocky 3 was shit, so Rocky 4 is going to be shit. You know, there's going to be that sort of thing. Maybe it's uh, more to do with Twitter is just a large playground now. (laughs) But how does that explain the jaded bastard critics who get paid to see these films? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think, however, if there's one thing that I can throw out there just for fun, and you can react to this, one thing that I have to take away from comic book movies is their their ability to communicate nuance. The idea now that mm. we have good versus bad all the time now has totally eclipsed this idea that we can have different shades of good or bad. And I think that when the comic book crowd goes in to see a movie, they're immediately going to say either it's good or bad, but they can't look at it for having specific little things that might come out even if it is either good or bad. If I look at The Dark Knight itself, there are things about that movie that don't make any sense. The movie itself is an amazing film. I'm not even going to call it a movie. A movie, Suicide Squad's a movie. Batman, The Dark Knight is a film. And the film itself, okay, if you look at the narrative, if you look at how everything is constructed, it makes perfect sense you're watching it yes everything goes well i like this the story is broken down there's a lot of emotion emotional payoff there's a lot of a lot of stuff that you can not necessarily that you can relate to but that you can consider okay there are stakes here and we get involved as a crowd however there are things that don't make any sense i mean if you look at how uh, just the opening sequence when the joker decides to leave in a parade of uh, of buses school buses (laughs) Didn't anybody see him just kind of drive off and the police show that there's a trial of smoke coming off of it, like dust and whatnot? They could have arrested him right there. Batman falls, I think, what is it, 70 stories from a building with Rachel. And he doesn't 
necessarily open his cape or anything like that, but he survives that fall. And yet yeah, at the end of the movie, the yeah. And at the end of the movie, he falls from like two stories and he can't get back up. I mean, I understand that maybe he was a little bit more tired after running around the city, trying to stop the Joker from a bunch of things, but there are certain things in that movie that make no sense, but we'll give it a pass because the rest of it is excellent. Heath Ledger's mm-hmm. aura over that movie or that film, I should say, sorry, kind of, how can I put it, dares you to say anything negative about it without sounding like this crass asshole. You're like, yeah, but if you yeah. point anything out about that, then you're immediately, hey, careful, that's Ledger's legacy. And you're like, I'm not criticizing his performance per se. I'm just saying that there are things in that movie that don't make sense. But yeah. mm-hmm. it's universally accepted as a fantastic film. If we look at the other side of the spectrum with Suicide Squad, I'd say that there's a lot of stuff in there that is really bad. It's terrible. There are things in there that make no fucking sense whatsoever. However, out of all that, there are things in it that are really good. So I don't know. I think that the superhero genre has really kind of killed any sense of nuance when it comes to yeah. making rational decisions as to what you're watching. I don't know what you have, what you think about you're, that. Well, you're definitely right about yeah. Nuance is dead in superhero films. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 black or white, uh, good or bad, and then I guess that treats the morals that you walk away from. I guess in this case, it would be specifically more applicable to superhero films because it regards everything as clear as day, black or white. So then if that's what you're supposed to take away as a moral standpoint, you immediately start looking at all the other things. And Civil War, for example, you know, it shows you two different sides of good guys, but it dares you to pick a side you yeah, know, it doesn't exactly. tell you. It doesn't. It doesn't tell you. Sit in the middle and let them fight it out. And try to explain themselves and realize they're both kind of assholes. It tells you pick a side. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, on Twitter, there was the hashtags Team Cap or Team Iron Man, and I found myself kind of agreeing with both of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they wouldn't make a film where they would portray two of their leading stars as absolute assholes that are both one or the other is entirely in the wrong. You know, it's not like. Iron Man starts going around and says, you know, we've got to, you know, we've, we've got to start putting superheroes in gas chambers, you know, and then they go like, Jesus, what the fuck, Iron Man, I can't take your side, hashtag Captain America, you're a fucking crazy person, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, they had, that's the disconnect between films and marketing. There actually was some nuance in Captain America Civil War, the actual argument between the two wasn't clear cut. You know, it was actually, like, you could argue maybe Iron Man or maybe Captain America had a better take of certain scenarios. But when it came to choosing a side, which the heroes had to do for a sort of mid-film battle, uh, you know, you realized that you couldn't really support either because neither of their, their, their opinions were easy to support, you know? And so that film did tackle, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't... It doesn't do anything with that information, and that's why the film's not a great film, but it does certainly portray nuanced arguments and sort of political divides effectively, because that's how it is, you know, there's not a clear answer. What the marketing, this this is the difference, when the marketing gets involved, they see Captain America versus Iron Man, blue versus red, 
you know, liberty and justice versus uh, uh, capitalism and, I don't know, whatever the fuck Iron Man's supposed to stand for. <laughs> and, uh, you know, immediately it was pushing to kids and adults that this somewhat nuanced film that just so happens to feature uh, a guy that shoots lasers out of his hands, uh, <laughs> this film... Uh, was a typical mashup between your superheroes. It was a good versus evil, or really crazy good versus really angry good. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. It just didn't make any sense. And so I would I would argue that nuance in superhero films isn't dead, but nuance in the marketing of superhero films doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I was going to bring up Civil War, and, and you did. I think that if I look at it, that would be probably one of the only movies where I think that they did do a good job on nuance. But in the marketing, as you said, they really pit Captain America versus Iron Man and asked you to choose that side. I would have thought it would have been clever had they would have included Baron Zemo in there mm -hmm. because he's supposed to be the villain. And I remember listening to the Incession film podcast on Captain America Civil War and Brendan Cassidy did not like the villain in there, and JD did. And so we had this, again, this division even <laughs> amongst people that are talking about the, the movie. But I am actually on JD's side. I really think that Baron Zemo was the most nuanced character in the movie because out of all of that, he was in the middle of Captain America and Iron Man, and he was doing it for himself. He needed these people to destroy themselves just because of the fact that if he gets rid of them, he'll probably end up saving millions of people in the end. And so I thought that that, that was the nuance that I liked about Captain America Civil War. To me, it's, it's, it's still bloated as a movie. There's just a lot, a lot going on. They're trying to introduce a lot of characters and maybe a little bit too much in my opinion. However, I did enjoy it. It took yeah. a sharp right turn at one point in terms of tone it got dark fast <laughs> but i mean zemo was probably one of my favorite aspects of civil war because he understands nuance he understands people would say that no he's a terrorist and he's trying to tear these people apart and whatnot but that's only because we have affection for the superheroes and we know that zemo is supposed to be a villain yeah but if we look at the destruction that the avengers have created through these apparent saving of the world Zemo's not wrong. No, no, of course. Uh, yeah, from his perspective, uh, the actual conflict makes total sense. And when you see it from his perspective, you immediately... He's not so much a villain as just a, a political fighter in a, in a large-scale political arena. You know, he's just another voice. Uh, his one just happens to involve, you know, turning two guys against each other. You know, he's not even going out of his way to, like, fucking kill them himself. He does kill people in the film, to be fair. So that does make him a villain. But, uh, you know... But what I wanted to do was I wanted to turn the conversation onto hype. Because 2016 has been a big uh, year for hype. And, you know, we've already... We've spent a little more time talking about Captain America than we ever did about Suicide Squad. Uh, but Suicide Squad is just the latest in a large list of casualties this year uh, regarding how social media and how uh, general marketing teams have abused their properties to middling returns in uh, what like many people are hailing as the worst summer blockbuster year in a long time. And it's not fair because the films haven't been terrible, maybe a little more samey than usual, but they haven't been terrible. What's different is that we've hit a like a critical apex of um, how much 
fucking crap we can swallow, how, how hard we can be misled by teams, and how disappointed we'll be in return. Uh, what I saw on Twitter, and I saw it was just a, it was a funny little thing. Uh, somebody had uh, retweeted a poll on, uh, and it said, like, the poll was asking, in 2017, what film are you most excited for? And it was like, 2017, I mean, we're already in this fucking summer. And people are focusing on the films of next oh, summer. There's these a bunch of options, you know. It was about five or six options for these big blockbuster films that this guy was already pushing. Which one are you most excited for? And this another uh, person I follow on Twitter, he immediately just went, you know what? I think after after 2016, hype is dead, and I I never want to I never want to talk. I don't want to look at films this way anymore. I don't want to sit in anticipation for the next movie. I want to enjoy things as they come. And I, I was so on board with that, and I was so ready for that change, and I really kind of hope it happens sooner than later. <laughs> I think, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I have to do that as well. But I, to tell you the truth, I wasn't, ex- I, I don't get excited for any movie except for Star Wars anymore. <laughs> I I look forward bias. to seeing it. Yeah, that's why. I mean, after the Force Awakens, like to me, the Force Awakens is is a is a genius movie. Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. But that's for another time. And that that's those are the only movies I'm 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 rooting for. I I want to see the movies, but I have not really. The only way that I've given to the hype is that seeing as that now that I review movies. I look forward to going to the movie theater because yeah. I've always enjoyed the environment of a movie theater. And so I don't necessarily try to give in to hype that much anymore because, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't necessarily have access to all the movies that are going to be coming out, except for the big blockbusters, seeing as that where I live, very seldom get English movies. But um I also try to steer away from any people that are revealing way too much information about the movie. I think that, yeah. like, as you said, the hype is very much damaging. And in this age of, of, of an overabundance of information, it's very hard to get a, an interesting perspective on that. What's actually coming out. I mean, even when they announced Batman versus Superman, I think they announced it in like 2013. Yeah. Like three years right. before it was like this was slated. And then every step of production was it pre production, during production, you know, everything was just noted down and, and advertised and talked about. They're going to be doing this. Is it this storyline? Who's uh, is it going to be this part of the Dark Knight Returns? Or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, uh, uh, Ben Affleck has been brought in to do this type of thing. And, you know, every single part of that production was detailed to the point where it got exhausting to try to keep up. And then when the first trailer dropped and people saw what it was going to be and they weren't satisfied with it, they were like, yeah, but you guys have promised us so much shit and this is what it is. Yeah. But it's just the image that people paint in their heads of what it's supposed to be based on what's being told about in the media has destroyed any rational acceptance of what the pro- final product is going to be. You know, so I figure that at one point, maybe l- look at what happened with Star Wars. Yes, there was stuff that was leaked. I chose to avoid it. But the marketing campaign around Star Wars happened very 
close to Star Wars. There was a teaser trailer. Then after that, the first trailer came out in September and the movie's coming out in December. So we're talking about like four months, just like uh, three months actually before the release. That's right. And then after that, they started peppering it out with like TV spots and whatnot. So there was a lot of stuff and even the, like the, the toys were coming out and then there was the hashtag where's Ray. That's right. You know, That's so right. a right. lot of the marketing went into it, but it came at a point where people didn't have time to get tired of it. It seemed to be very well managed, you know, and even Abrams didn't want anybody to know about the script. So like, Everything was like, you know, he was delivering iPads to people. And then I don't know if they were destroying the iPads after, <laughs> you know, but yeah. So you might be saying that um, hype is now a factor of um, oversharing. People have never been more connected with movies than today. Thanks to social media and thanks to constant blogs and really now independent uh, sort of news outlets that can get interviews with these people for the first time. At a large, wide scale, there's too many people, too many voices, and production companies are too willing to give them a little shred of everything that we haven't tempered ourselves in information. Uh, we haven't adjusted as such that eventually people are just going to be disappointed because they either know too much or they expect too much and then see something and then immediately it's not gonna it's not gonna match up and that's interesting and you're you're right that Star Wars did a fantastic job because right up to this, right up to watching. Force Awakens. I I don't I I didn't even see the second trailer. I'd only seen the one trailer, you know, and I knew I was super excited to see it. I, when I actually watched it, I realized, you know, I haven't seen any of this footage at any point. I couldn't piece together what the movie was going to be, uh, and that and that's that aided my eventual criticism of Star Wars because I thought, well, you know, I wasn't uh, overly expecting anything. So when it turned out to just be another, be a well well rounded reboot of the Star Wars franchise for a new audience, didn't feel like they were trying to hide the fact from us. They were just saving the excitement and adventure to ourselves because it makes sense in Star Wars. It's an adventure. You don't want to know what happens. You want to see it when you'd see it. So why aren't people doing that with every other film? <laughs> well, obviously, the other films aren't Star Wars. So Star Wars like has a leg up on, on, on everybody else because they have that, that franchise name stamped on there. True. But I agree with you. The, the one thing that you just said that, that is key is that they didn't reveal any of the story. They showed you images. They put music on it. They said, this is going to be in the movie. Brace yourselves. But we want you to come experience a story the way it's supposed to be. Definitely. Whereas if we go back to Batman versus Superman, where they, like most trailers, I'm taking Batman versus Superman because we're going to eventually steer back to Suicide Squad. We knew by the time the second trailer came out, exactly what the movie was going to be. Yeah, that's right. We knew Wonder Woman was going to be in it. We knew Doomsday was the villain. We knew uh, Luther was the villain. Uh, we knew Batman and Superman would be fighting somewhere in the middle. We knew that there was a uh, some, some plot, overarching plot to do with General Zod because we saw his body getting carried away. So we, we had like a lot of the general details before we had even seen anything of it. But that's it. Even with Suicide Squad, the only thing they didn't reveal that I won't reveal here is that, that, that villain. The villain that there is in Suicide Squad was a surprise and I genuinely accepted that. Even if it turned out to be kind of a shitty villain... I yeah. was surprised. And that's one thing that Batman versus Superman got wrong. It's that, and a lot of trailers now when they come out is that they reveal their entire plot. This is our story. Come see our story. But you just gave me a short version. Why the fuck would yeah. I pay $15 I pay to, see, yeah. 
to, to, to go see what you've just told me what it was. And it, it, because if you tell me exactly what the story is and I don't agree with what I, with the story, why the fuck would I go see it? You know what I mean? Is that a story I want to see? No. I mean, look at, look at exactly what we saw with the, the teasers that we saw earlier. We're talking about Arrival and then Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. I mean, those teasers are enough. They put you in the mood of what you're going to experience. And then after that, they're like, well, if you guys want to know what the story is about, you better come down go, and see it. And then you're like, it, well, yeah. shit, I want to go see that. What That'll the hell's do. going on here? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I mean, there will be other trailers up till now, but I, I would feel pretty assured that even if they give us a detail or two, that's not going to be on the level that we're going to see every single uh, production note or fucking, uh, you know, cast spoiler cast member. I mean, like before fucking... Suicide Squad, the week before it came out, we had already found out there'd be cameos, who the cameos were, where they were going to be in the film. Yeah. That, that oversaturation only hurt the film in reception. I mean, it, I guess, I don't know. I, 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 it's maybe a little too early to say whether it hurt its box office. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it all boils down to, like you said earlier, marketing. And I think that the people that are doing the marketing for these movies have forgotten how strip clubs work. <laughs> I'm on board with this analogy now. <laughs> I'd invite them to go back to strip clubs because you go to the coat check and it's an unbelievable, unbelievable price to so pay the guy because he's bigger <laughs> than you are. Then you're going to go buy a drink. And then the lady comes out and she's fully clothed to whatever Motley Crue song is playing on at that point. And she's not going to take anything off. And then she'll go back and he continue a conversation with some other guy there. Not that there's any shame involved. And then she'll come back for her second track and then she'll strip down to her bra and her underpants. And then after that, the song will finish. And then you go back for another drink because that's what they're there for. They're selling, yeah. they're selling beer. And by the time she comes back for her third song, that's when she gives you everything. She'll take everything off. But by the time. She's taken everything off. You've been teased twice, right? And now you're anticipating, okay, well, what, what the hell does the rest look like? I'm, I'm eager to see that. Now, I think that what people are doing now is if the lady just came out naked and there was no buildup, you'd be like, all right, there's a naked chick on stage. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I mean, you'd gawk at it for a while, but then if the second stripper came out and she was completely naked, I can guarantee you by the time you got to the fifth or sixth stripper, You'd be completely desensitized and wouldn't give a yeah. shit. And so I really think that these guys should go for the more, let's say the second dance where you kind of reveal just a little bit, but you don't yeah. give everything that, away. That, that the so I'd invent the them money to for try the final to one. take their yeah. lunch breaks. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's how teasing yeah. works. <laughs> so I think that they should, exactly. So I think that they should use the strip club <laughs> method of trailers now so anyway if anybody's listening remember there are also <laughs> male strip clubs i mean so let's let's not let's not leave them out of the analogy <laughs> oh well i mean sorry ladies who are listening right now uh, yeah for the guys too i mean and i'm pretty sure that half the strip clubs that these ladies go to the guy doesn't even strip down to his bare ass i mean he'll probably be wearing a thong with a fire hose on or some shit like that because ladies are there to have more fun there than is guys no equality there is no equality in this world. None. None whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah, so now it's gotten to a point where they're going to have to dial back just so that they keep me interested because I've become completely desensitized to to any of this stuff. Suicide Squad, I stopped watching at one point because they seemed to be trying way too hard. Like you had said to me earlier, 
they were trying to sell me something. And I knew in my right mind that if I got my expectations yeah. too high, I, there was no way I was going to appreciate this movie. I did watch the trailers. I was... I was very much disappointed uh, because, yeah, and, and you put your finger on it. They were selling me something. I hadn't realized it until you mentioned it earlier. They were selling <laughs> me something and usually salesmen have a hard time with me. I'm a bit of a pig headed asshole when I want to be, but this time I decided, you know what? I can't, I can't give in to whatever the hell is going on right now. I have to go in with an open mind. Mm. I have to see what's what. And, um, I'm by no means a suicide squad apologist at all. There are glaring problems with it. And one of the problems is the audience. That audience. The audience that has been, you know, obviously misled a lot by the the companies that are selling this uh, anyway. But yes, that's every everybody's to blame. The moral is everyone's at fault. <laughs> okay, well, you can see it your way. I think that... Shame on you for having too high expectations, in my opinion. It's a fucking movie. Yeah. And it's called Suicide Squad. There's no way I'm comparing this to The Godfather. I remember... A reading on Twitter just the other day, there was a guy that said, um, I can't believe that Nine Lives is, uh, I'm having a better time watching Nine Lives than I am, than I did watching uh, Suicide Squad. Off. I was, exactly. <laughs> I, I, in my, I was like, that's the same to me as saying, uh, I had more fun watching The Godfather than I did The Spy Kids. And you're like, it's, you're not the, it's you're true, obviously it is, not the audience for that. What are you talking about? Nothing relates those two films together, you know, so why? I don't get But yeah, anyway. But that's it. Anyway, so I'll, I'll just get in quickly to why I wanted to talk about that. It, it, uh, a lot of people were comparing, I want to look at the performances, a lot of people were comparing the the, the Jokers. Yes. Uh, like, uh, people saying like, oh, the Heath Ledger is never going to be beaten, and uh, they're comparing Same problem. the performance. Same problem with the Spy Kids Godfather's comparison. <laughs> exactly. People seem to forget that these are very different movies, there are very different takes yeah. on the Joker, so... That's why I remember tweeting out, like, there was a poll that came out, who's the best Joker? And I said, shouldn't this be re reworded as who's your favorite Joker? Definitely, yes. You know, good, because it thing. depends. Yeah, my, my favorite is Heath Ledger. I, I there, It cannot be. And the reason I, I like Heath Ledger's performance is because I like creepy fucking crazy Joker. Yeah. I like how he was able to be this unhinged guy. But I also had to delve into why I appreciated that. And that's why I, I posted this on uh, my second review of Suicide Squad, which was the more adult review, what was wrong with the movie and whatnot. But I did break down the performances of the Joker, and I came to a really interesting conclusion uh, because a lot of people were saying that it, Jared Leto's performance was a little bit more along the lines of Cesar Romero's from the 1966 Batman. And I kind of figured that the only reason that people would think that is because... It was the only time that the Joker isn't contrasted directly with Batman, but rather to the villains that he's around. Yeah, good point. And so, like, when I rewatched Batman, Tim Burton's Batman this week, I realized that the Joker himself is a contrast to Gotham aesthetics, right? As Jack Napier, he's wearing these really nice suits, and they're kind of a little bit... They're a little colorful, but as the Joker, they become flamboyant. He becomes over mm -hmm. the top, which is a complete contrast to the drab nature of Batman, never really smiling, just dressed in black, you know? So this idea that even Gotham, the landscape of Gotham being this really dark and gritty, gothic nature was completely in contrast to the Joker. You could even 
say about this idea of tra- tragedy and comedy masks that are yeah, actually being yeah. compared in Tim Burton's Batman. And again, I thought that that was funny because even in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, Ledger's Joker is also, again, in complete contrast to Batman. It's as if he's a symptom. He becomes this opposing force. He even says it in the movie, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. That's right. Right. The Joker himself, I say that even his disheveled makeup is in complete contrast to how Batman's suit is neat and organized, mm-hmm. right? An efficiently designed suit. He's unpredictable, whereas Batman has a one rule. So he's predictable in the sense that he won't kill. Joker's trying to break that. Joker's twitchy. Batman is reserved and usually calm. He doesn't necessarily overreact except for that scene where he smashes the Joker's face on the mirror. So where Batman represents this this kind of organized crime-fighting style, the Joker is this chaotic other thing, right? So they're always being pit one against the other. Whereas in Suicide Squad, the reason why I really appreciated Leto's performance is because he isn't contrasted to Batman at all. No, yeah. He's his own character. He's defined according to his love for Harley Quinn and how he handles the criminals around him. He has one scene with Batman and they don't even interact. And so this opens up a world of possibilities to where Leto can take this character. And I'm actually looking forward to it because now we don't know who this Joker is. And that's something to look forward to. It's true. Yeah, we just know he's he's good at his fucking job. Uh, But we don't know, you know, what defines him on any real character depth level. And that's great. I mean, people, again, were disappointed by that because we didn't see enough Jokers. So we don't know what the Joker's like, blah, 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 blah. That's the marketing's fault for letting you think that the Joker was going to be in the film for any real length of time. But what we saw of him, you know, I'm excited. I think that level of having him introduced here so that we can get out of the way how he reacts with Harley and so on. Yeah. And then we can focus on what what makes him interesting himself in his own film or with Batman or whatever. That's going to be a more exciting thing to learn as we go along. And it was better to play that card now than to wait and try to force it all into something that might be, in the ideal world, a tighter narrative. Especially, I mean, like, I don't know what the fuck it is. The Justice League are going to be fighting. I don't know who they're going to be fighting. I assume Joker's in for the Batman solo film. I don't know who's rumored to be in the Justice League so far. Hopefully. Hopefully not the Joker, but it's, but uh, it's going to be this. It's going to be Steppenwolf. Oh, good! Thank God. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have to read the comics, man. But yeah, Steppenwolf is is one of the older uh, villains that uh, that's been around the DC universe for quite some time. Great. So yeah, he's a god. He's a god of some sorts, and they're going to need obviously Superman uh, to come back. I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if he'll be back in Justice League One. But you see, that's what I mean about oversharing. It, we already know the main villain, which. It's useful in, in an observational light this time, so we don't have to worry about the Joker being the main villain. But uh, generally, we could have gotten by without needing to know. But on top of that, uh, I already know Superman is going to be in Justice League. The guy who actually plays him is out filming with the team at the moment. So, I mean, I know he's going to be there. What To what extent? I'm sure we'll find out in a fucking trailer or two. <laughs> He'll probably come in yeah. like five seconds into the next trailer. It's like, Superman's dead. And then he's like, am I? <laughs> yeah, then, that's what sucks is that that was so poorly handled in Batman versus yep, Superman. Terrible. Superman's death was supposed to mean something, and it didn't mean anything because we didn't even get to know no, him. No, not at all. Well, we sure we sure oh, got yeah. to know what he stood for, though. He stood for Jesus. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping for a Harley and Joker movie, which would be really interesting. And I remember I pitched this today uh, to yeah. some people on Twitter, 
where I thought it would be interesting to have a Joker and Harley movie that would be that would resemble like Fury Road, where they're just trying to escape Arkham Asylum in these cars, and it's just this fucking long ass chase down the city with explosions and I would, Joker's henchmen and all that stuff. And I would watch so I, the shit out of that film. <laughs> you know, and I, it would be kind of funny because, like, I, I explained to the guys on Twitter, it was just a like Joker would be driving for the first part, but because we're used to an independent Harley Quinn in the comic books now, yeah. it'd be interesting that at one point, because it gets a little bit too hectic, Joker decides to bail and then Harley ends up driving the car and she has her moment to shine as an independent strong woman, but then she gets pissed at the Joker. So by the end of the movie, if they end up meeting up again, she just gives him a wailing. So that could have been kind of a fun one to kind of go against what's going to be happening. Most likely in the Batman movie, that's rumored to be somewhat like, the raid, where it's going to be one giant building that Batman has to go up to get whoever's at the top. Wow. I have not heard anything about that. That sounds fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a great thing. It's been tw- done twice, though, I mean. So we've got the raid redemption. We've got dread. They're going to have to make it really interesting if they decide to do it in this enclosed space. It could be very cool. It might actually be in Arkham. So they might be using the games themselves as a backdrop for uh, the the standalone Batman movie. I have my fingers crossed to get a really sadistic Riddler in there. Yeah. I'd love to see him in the DCEU and all the traps that he could have around Arkham. That could be really interesting to see. I, I do hope. So yeah, but my 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 Joker or Harley Fury Road is is something that I'd love. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see. I, I doubt that's ever going to happen. But it's one that I definitely pay to watch. Definitely. <laughs> so that yeah. Well, that that's that was an interesting spin away from uh, Suicide Squad, you know. Uh, that's 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 good, you know. We played the the nature of um, the the hype around the film and you know what could happen because of the film, and we didn't really have to talk about the film so much itself because we kind of already have. Yeah. So that was great. I've I've had a great time. <laughs> but it's really fun, and I think that's what we should do to advertise this show today. Is like we talk about Suicide Suicide Squad in a way that no one has. We avoid the film. <laughs> yeah, we talk about everything that came out this year. And yeah, exactly. Do you want to do you want to hear us mention Suicide Squad and then barely talk about it? This is the show for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's kind of like the perfect juxtaposition to the marketing of Suicide. Squad. You're going to be told there's going to be a lot of Suicide Squad, but there really isn't. <laughs> Alright, so uh, I guess we'll close out the show on that then. So, if anybody out there uh, wants yeah, to uh, wants to communicate with us, we leave your comments. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Film Faculty. That's Film underscore Faculty. And you can meet Lee at... Uh, it's Big Pick Reviews. Big Pick Reviews. Big Pick Reviews. Excellent. So that's it. We want to hear nothing about Suicide Squad, but send us your impressions <laughs> on everything else we talked about. The trailers, Anthropoid, Dunkirk, Arrival, Resident Evil. If you enjoyed I'd the trailer, I'd love to hear your on feedback that on that. <laughs> uh, if you guys are the same as me and watching Downton Abbey right now, are you as annoyed as I am by all the men? <laughs> Let me know. And uh, if you care to comment on uh, on uh, what Lee watched, uh, Dope, this week and also the lobster we'd love to get your feedback on that so that's it you guys can talk to us about suicide squad but you already have our impressions on it and we're pretty much going to leave it at that i'm looking forward to watching it again with my kids they're probably going to really enjoy the shit out of it because there's a lot of colors but other than that i just don't care anymore there's just been too much ink on it already i'm looking forward i'm getting i'm gonna purge myself of um fucking suicide squad for a month 
and then consider it again sometime down the line. <laughs> yeah, very cool. All right, so is there anything you're looking forward to this week? Uh, um, Pete's Dragon. I, I need to watch Pete's Dragon this week. So God, I, I, I want to go that's, see that too, it's, man. It's a it perfect, looks good. Uh, example of me not knowing a fucking thing about the film, and that's why I'm excited for it. Because if I started to actually hear right. anything about the plot, I'm sure I would have a pretty mediocre time so this is good this is good this will be a good uh example because if this film turns out to be bad and i've heard nothing about it then you know it will completely cave my argument <laughs> oh but you never know man i i i grew up watching the 1977 version by don chafee yeah. and so i i think that this live action pete's dragon kind of looks interesting i was a little bit kind of taken aback by the fact that he's furry but at the same time i was like oh well, i haven't really seen a furry dragon before it seems a yeah. little bit less menacing so a little bit more attuned to what a child would like to see a dragon yeah, be. About to be. but uh yeah i haven't heard anything negative about it so far save one person talking about something that's quite disturbing that happens in the movie but i'm gonna steer away from uh, venturing a comment on that so uh to avoid spoilers but yeah, I am looking forward to Peace Dragon as well. So that that's cool, man. Great. Thank you very much for listening. So see you next time on the Atlantic Screen Connection. Thanks. Peace out. <laughs>